You are listening to the New Street X podcast, where we interview people who understand the intersection of physical and digital collectibles. We're entering an exciting world in the collectible space that involves things like sneakers, NFTs, trading cards, fashion, sports, pop culture, and much, much more. And these things are coming together. So we're here to talk to people that understand that, people that are really building the future of collectibles around the world. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the New Street X podcast. Have here today Ethan Liza, also known as Hydroblast, and he's also the president of TCG Nation, a streaming organization for collectibles. Under the leadership of Ethan Liza and Mike Carlson, TCG Nation has grown from a team of streamers to a brick-and-mortar location. They continue to expand and make great impact in the collectible space. I'm excited to have him here today to talk about his story, TCG Nation, and everything about collectibles. So, Ethan, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man. Welcome. Thank you very much, man. That's great. Great to be here. Awesome. I, I mean, there's there's an exciting story behind TCG Nation, but I'm just trying to think, like, where where would you like to begin here? Like, maybe if I were to just meet you today, how do you introduce yourself, and then how do you explain TCG Nation? TCG Nation, me, myself, if you want to get more on the personal side of things, I have a wife, three kids, and a, and a another one on the way. I used to be a supplier quality engineer with Wabtech. Through that time, I saw in the, when, when we had COVID, COVID was around, we had, I started looking into and started watching kind of Lee and Hart. And that's, that's really where my inspiration re-sparked. So I, I credit a lot to, to him just starting me back into the hobby. I started watching his videos. And then it went from there to going out to the local Walmarts and hitting those for the restocks and the, and opening packs. And I spent way too much money <laughs> as we all do. And I really went pretty heavy on vivid voltage. That set I was chasing that rainbow Pikachu, never, ever pulled it for myself, unfortunately. So it is what it is. That's a risky take. It's a gamble. I mean, we're, we're kind of operating here at high risk, high reward, depending on the situation. But I mean, before that time period, before you started watching Leonhardt, had you been collecting like Pokemon cards up until that point, or you kind of like got out of it then got back in? How much did he reignite versus like what you already were doing at the time? Yeah, so I've always been in the collectible space to an extent. I definitely died off for a long time with, with collecting. I started collecting Pokemon cards when I was a kid. I had all the Charizards and all the, all the stuff that I wish that I still had. Unfortunately, it, I gave my collection away to, to someone down the road because I was too cool. When you reach that age of like high middle school, high school, you're just too cool for Pokemon cards. So I gave it away and it's long gone now. But I've always been a collector of coins as well. I have coins and some old old cash and some old money that I've just stored away for a long time. I have some silver note dollar bills, which are pretty cool. But that's kind of the my collecting space. I do also have a nice little like Lego Star Wars collection at my house. I do a lot of the the collector ships. So I, I collect a lot of different things, I guess you could say. Got it. And then so when Leonhardt kind of started being like a bigger part of your life, I guess, like during COVID and stuff. And it's interesting because COVID, COVID, I think was like a turning point for a lot of people when it came to collecting. Of course, like the market took off in general, but I feel like a lot of people got back into it. So obviously though, being a full-time engineer, that's a pretty solid, safe, professional career. And now you fast forward and, and you're running TCG Nation. What were the steps? Like what made you decide to go into this full-time? Like what happened next? Yeah, so... So it started, like I said, I started opening packs, watching him. And then I saw that there's a way to make a little extra cash on the side. Go live, rip packs. And I've never done live streaming before. I don't know what I'm doing. 
So I joined a Facebook group. That's actually where I met Mike. Him and I were both mods. Mike is my, Michael Carlson is my, my right-hand man. I could not do this without him. He's, he's, he puts in just as much hours as I do every single day trying to make this, this place work. But yeah, I met Mike and we quickly became really good friends. He originally started TCG Nation. I officially did not have my own LLC yet. And I had my own little Facebook group at the time. And then we decided to take things to the next level like Collecticon. Him and I actually physically met. So we were working together for about a couple of months. We were sharing contacts and he was helping me out. I was helping him out with stuff and just trying to get product acquisition. And from there, we met at Collecticon. I did it for about a day. So I had my best friend, Jeff, who currently is our manager. I've known him since I was six. So it's kind of like I've known him for forever. He's, he's my store manager at the shop gets everything done that I need to now. But back then I just brought him to collect Scott. He didn't know much about Pokemon other than back in the day. And Mike and I just, I had my products. He had his product. We were working together and I just looked down. I was like, you want to do this, man? You just, you want to join up and, and join forces, combine inventories and just make this happen. And he was like, let me talk to my wife. Cause his wife is partner as well. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how it went. And between me and Mike, we definitely started and started that day. The next day we kind of started and shifted and started working, combining inventories. And we figured out the back end mess later with all how much I brought in, how much he brought in. But yeah, prior to that, I guess I skipped a little bit of a step. I did, we were streaming. We started streaming. I think Mike started streaming it in February of 2021. And I started streaming in March of 2021. And we just kind of started doing our own thing, got into that Facebook group, started doing it. And then once it was probably June by the time Collect Scott came, so I was streaming for about three to four months. And it is definitely pretty hard to start streaming. You got to have a personality. You got to have a voice. I would recommend anyone that's wanting to start streaming, try to reach out and do something on like, especially nowadays, TikTok wasn't good as now back then. TikTok is a very good place to start as well as Facebook as well. Get yourself into one of those groups. Get yourself a little bit of following and just try. The, the, the only thing you can do is try. And it, and it is going to be pretty hard for you to start immediately. You got to put the hours in. You got to put the dedication in. You got to put the work in. And just be different. That's that's the, the main thing. You, you can't just go on and be a another run-of-the-mill ripping shipper. You have to bring something else to the space. Everyone likes, everyone likes to come to me. They've told me because I have like a radio announcer voice is what I've been. They, they tell me. They say, I sound like Seth Rogen. So they're like, I can do a lot of different voices and stuff. So I, we have a, we have fun. We have a good time on stream. And Mike, Mike is just, Mike's great, has the, the great energy. And I just felt like Mike, Mike was military as well. So we are veteran owned as well. He got out of the military, did his four years in, in the army. But yeah, he's, everything has been as good as me as streaming. So we, we decided as we, when we joined up, we decided like to say, take it to that next level. And just start our own group, combine our pages that we had. I had my own little page running at the time. He had his page. We combined all of our followers into one. And then we just kind of took off. So it was really me, him and his wife going and streaming. So she was full time getting paid already by us for she was, she was actually pregnant at the time with their son. And she kind of worked on helped in the back end with Mike and stuff and the back end stuff for us as we're a new growing company. And 
we just kind of started taking this step by step by step by step. And now we are a team of 12. We have our own store location. We have a pretty large streaming organization. I'm curious to know. So like, let's say when you first started streaming, you're you're a, a father. You have you got to take care of your kids. You had a, a job. And how were you even like, like fitting in the streaming into your life? Do you just do it like late at night? I want to get back home from work, put the kids to bed. And was there a point where, like you mentioned, like it's not like day one, you're getting millions and millions of views. It's not easy. And I'd love to ask, but again, advice you have to streamers moving forward. But like, what was the process that you got that first step started? And what gave you confidence that you could actually do a good job at this versus it being like, okay, this will be like a tiny hobby. No, actually, I can do something big with this. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. I mean, I was working and I still do work. I work a little less now, but yes, back then I would be up. I had to be to work by 8 a.m. I got there at 8, did till 4 or 5 p.m. I was salary at the point, came home, wife, kids, did that until about 10 p.m., 10.30, and then went live until about 3, about 3 a.m. every day, five days a week. Every day? It was like, it was five days a week. I took two days off, yeah. That's pretty grueling, man. Like, so I admire that you're able to like push through. <laughs> yeah, I did that for everything in life takes hard work. I, I fully believe that you you get what you put into it is what you get out of it. And I've always been a very hands-on make things happen. And I don't, Mike and I really don't accept failure as an option. So we will do what we need to do to make, make it work. I did that. So I started streaming in March. And I streamed all the way until, man, I want to say until December 31st, as then at that point, I, I quit my job. Well, because I'm thinking to myself here, like if, if someone else listening to this is a, an aspiring streamer, they just get started. Like, what were the signals in your head that made you realize, okay, I could actually make this a serious thing? Like, what was the traction for you? And I guess if you were to give that same advice to someone who's trying right now, like, what could you tell to make sure like, okay, I'm actually pretty good at this. So like, I want to keep going. I mean, just, it, it just looks at your numbers that you're running. I'm very much a numbers guy. I run a lot of the numbers. I wouldn't say accounting, but the numbers for the company. So I run, I look at sales every day. I look at our profit margins every day. And I mean, you can just do simple math, just do your simple math, see how much profit you guys are taking in and see if it's affordable for you to remove yourself from your job and pay yourself what you need. I did take a little bit of a pay cut moving over to this full time, but at, at the ease of me being able to kind of run my own schedule, I did have insurance and I did have a very good job, but I, I wanted something more. I wanted to, tr I at least wanted to try. And if I try and I fail, then I fail, but I try to run it as success is the only option. That's, that's it. Only way. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious to know also how you started building the brick and mortar store. Sometimes when people buy things right now, obviously a lot of buying of cards happens online. Obviously stores also have a, have a big role there. When I think about a store, I think there's also maybe some pros and cons, right? Like the pro being you get to have a real like physical face-to-face -face interaction with like a community, the customers, you have your own space, which you can use, but also there might be some headaches from that, right? Maybe if you just sold stuff online, they're probably just easier for you, like logistically, operationally. What was the decision to have that physical store? Like, was that, what were the steps that led to that? So we kind of had a different process. Most people go out, have all the money they need, open a store, have, I mean, it, it does cost, I mean, if, if our, because I've done it now, we've done it twice. Officially once, I'll explain. But they, it costs a good amount of money to open up a store. 
and then to stock it with the right things and then try to figure out how to run it. It's, it's definitely a process. And I, I would say that we finally got it nailed down, but it is, it's definitely a process. So it, it, that started, I'll, I'll kind of continue on from where we were and then work into that store. So I quit my job in 2021, December, end of, end of story. So 2022, January 1st, I was full-time TCG Nation. Mike exited the army November. I was like pretty much Thanksgiving of 2021. So he was full-time at that point. Um, so me and him both like he, he stopped doing army and then a month and a half later I was done. So then now it's me, Anna and Mike on payroll full time. Moving into February, I had been buying from a local game store inventory. When Seth's come out, I'll, I'll pay for, pay for some stuff for him so I can rip on my stream. At this point, we were just streamers. He approached me in January, February and said, Hey, it was probably January. I was like, Hey, like how about you come into the store? We run like a dual lease thing where you come in, you take, I, I'm going to run all the magic stuff. You run all the Pokemon stuff and whatever else you want to run. We'll split things down the middle and we'll make it, make it happen. Just everything's going to be under his name. I was like, Hey, that's fine. It's like kind of a little bit of a stepping stone. It makes me, it gets that store that I always have wanted. Cause I've since ever since I started watching Lean Hard, I've always wanted a store. Like it just be super fun interacting with the people interacting with the community, creating that space and making something that's mine. You know what I mean? So we, we moved into that shop on the 20th of February, officially opened of 2022. And we were there, we started it up, did, did, it was well received. And that's when we really started growing our team at that point. And when you mentioned growing your team, like was the next step to get on more streamer, like find more streamers, find more people like expand because it sounds like like you mentioned if, if i heard correctly mike was was more of a magic guy and you're more focused on pokemon like how did you think about expanding right did you now like across all tcg right there's that means a lot of different things what was expansion and growth to you at that time period so little correction mike mike was mike has always been the pokemon and he he kind of runs dragon ball but the magic side of the things worked from and he was the he was the guy who officially owned the store they, so it was another, it was a, a separate entity that owned the store and TCG nation as a business came into that store and we sold out of that store as well. So basically it was, it was one store with two businesses in it, his side, not Mike's mine and Mike's was TCG nation. His side sold like magic and, and board games and stuff along that nature. So with that now moving into growing, we did hire Jeff full-time. That's my best friend. I, I mentioned him earlier. I've known him forever and he was kind of like my manager when I wasn't there. I worked it out to where we had the guy that was already in the shop working. He kind of just basically covered a little bit of, of our time. So he, they would be able to sell our end of stuff at the time that I wasn't there. Jeff and I weren't, but yeah, we've, we hired Jeff on there. So he would kind of cover weekends and things along that nature immediately. Cause I, I need someone there to help me run the shop. Cause at this point, Mike had moved back to Pennsylvania where he's from because he just, he wanted to change. He wanted to move back where family is. So that's where Mike is currently at. Mike runs a lot of the admin high level things for the business, HR, admin, payroll, things along that nature. Why I run the operational things down here. But in May is really when we started kicking off. May, we hired our first two streamers. From there, we just started growing and growing the team. Came up with, I would say, a great plan to pay our streamers with a great wage and give them some type of bonus structures or... We don't have to get into the details of it, but I will say that the most, the most rewarding things 
about it, about the business is also giving, giving other people a, a, a cool, fun job. There's not many people in the world that, that say that they can come to work and their job is to go live and sell Pokemon cards for eight hours a day. So that's something that's really cool that we, we love the most, or I especially love the most that I provide for the, the thing that we've created, Mike and I've created is now, uh, operates. We have, like I said, we have 12 people, but we've got a few separate, I guess, families as well. So yeah. And, and that's what, and that's what I find really like inspiring about this kind of business then. I mean, Technically, I guess you could have started something similar to this a few years ago, but really with the growth of streaming, obviously, and the growth of like these different collectibles, there are going to be more people like this coming out that might need opportunities that you could provide them. There might be more streamers. I would imagine there'd be more streamers moving forward. But when you found these initial people, like what do, what do you look for in a streamer? Is it someone who has like a deep passion or expertise for like, let's say, I don't know, like someone who's like a diehard Yu-Gi-Oh expert or is it looking because and also how do you find these people in general because streaming these days someone could be streaming from anywhere in the world there's across several platforms unless they reach out to you directly are you like scouting because in a way it sounds like you kind of got to be like a, a talent scout partially to to find the right people yeah in a way luckily we've been fortunate enough to find local so we do have one remote streamer he's he's been a very a good friend of the stream for a long time and that is a, a remote, a remote streamer is a little bit more difficult just because now you have product in multiple places. When you start spinning product up in multiple places and managing inventories, it gets a little crazy a little bit. And then you have lead times for shipping. So, I mean, that's, it, you just have to play it. It just adds another level of difficulty to, to the organization. So basically I just, I just threw up on Facebook looking for streamers. That's it. And there was people, obviously us being in the shop at the time, there was a, a couple of the shop people applied and then people that had been in there a couple times. And then we got people that have never been into the store at the time. And we just weed through that process. But we want, I think Mike and I have the tools to create, I think, give every, give everyone a great opportunity to become a great streamer. And we've successfully, I would say that we are successful at that because of the fact that we've now got between, I mean, we've got eight streamers, including Mike and I. So we, we've, we've done it. We've proven that it works. We can, we know how, we know the formula to create successful streamers. That is so valuable. And it, I remember you said earlier, you're talking a bit about TikTok. If you, for a streamer, like the tools and platforms that they have available, there's a lot of them, right? So like I could go streaming on obviously the big social media channels like Instagram, Twitch, TikTok. Then you obviously companies like Drip, Whatnot, Loop, etc. What do you see as like the pros and cons? Now, obviously, we don't have to get into like every single detail about why you like one platform better or worse than the other. But, you know, how do you help a streamer navigate like, where they should be spending their time because it seems like it'd be difficult to be an expert at all those things. Or maybe the, the double down on one or do you kind of hedge your bets and just try all of them? You know what I mean? Like, what's your advice to a streamer when it comes to like platforms? Nowadays, I would recommend that you probably start on Facebook if you can. That's still my recommendation or TikTok. TikTok has such a massive following. I, we still don't actively stream on TikTok just because we have so many other things going and we're, we're actively streaming on another platform. So it's just, I would recommend the way that I did it was Facebook back then before TikTok was a little bit better. I think TikTok is probably the way to go if you're starting now, just my opinion. There's so many more people there. There's millions of videos. It's just the only thing with that is you have to worry about 
I will say, uh, you got to worry about how they do things. Cause I know TikTok did have like a little bit of a ban recently of live sales and stuff like that. I, I'm not sure, but I, I know they're, they have allowed some people to do it. I'm not sure exactly, but if you can start on TikTok, I would try to recommend that or Facebook. Build your following, build a couple people. Once you get 10, 20, 30 people following and you can get like, you start getting a little more consistent sales, then reach out to the bigger platforms, i.e. Whatnot or Drip and or Loop. One of those three or all three of those, it's just depending on what you would like to go with. Look at your options. That way, that way you're bringing something to the platform rather than taking the viewers that are already on the platform away from the the current the current buyers that are on that platform away from the current sellers because that's something that i think is is definitely some of the other sellers in the market it, it just does get a little i think they can they all get a, probably a little frustrated when there's new people that just come on the platform with no following whatsoever and then they just take away all their customers which i mean hey that's the name of the game that is we can't control that at all but it does, it does get a little, it can be a little frustrating. So I would recommend that you try to get a little bit of a following and then bring them wherever you want to go and end up. Or if you, if you're able to capture your followers on Facebook and then stream there and then stream on TikTok and they all kind of move with you wherever you want to go or drip or whatnot, and you can be live on all these ex different platforms at the same time or on different days and they all follow with you, that's probably the best, the best way to do things. Got it. And when I think about how you view the future of like TCG Nation, like, are your plans to expand? Do you see a world where you get 10 more streamers under your belt, like under the organization by this time next year? Is it more more retail locations? There's obviously just sales growth. Are there like areas that you feel maybe you don't have covered as much when it comes to TCG? I'd love to just know, like, as you look to the future, what what's on your mind as where to spend more time and grow? Yeah. I mean, I think the long-term goal, there's a few different routes that we can take, obviously boasting our streamers as well, but we're already, we're, we're slightly, we're slowly running into the fact of at the store, we have two cubicles and that's where they stream on it. We have a full, full setup with big computers, the shore microphones, cameras, we, we have, it's decked out and we're already running into an issue where we're stacking too many in the store. So either we add another cubicle in the store to where we can go live at more times we hire a remote, but we, we are almost on 24 seven coverage. My earliest streamer goes live at six 30. My latest streamer gets off at 4 AM. So we, we, and that's, that's only on certain days where we give everyone two days off in a row. Like that's just something that, that they would like if they're full time and you, you have your five day work week, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a little bit to do with scheduling and whatnot from there. So Always we want to add more streamers. Definitely would love to see some of the other categories because we primarily do Pokemon slowly dipping into magic on the streaming side, which we just started our first full-time magic streamer or I wouldn't say full-time. He's part-time currently, but more so full magic stream. And that seems to be being received pretty well. And I think that the, the long-term goal is we five years down the road, we hopefully have one to two locations. Mike and I've already discussed where those could be the, the easy putt is to put another one right down here local dallas fort worth is a very big market for tcgs throw one over in a different spot of town half hour 45 minutes away from our, our home shop location here at corinth and either that or we go up to pennsylvania and have mike mike open a shop up in pa right where he's at and then then we'll have a pa location and we'll have a texas location so that's kind of the two options for a store route we would definitely love to see, I would love to see 
the TC, other TCGs be get into a little more popular on the streaming side because white swords it's yeah, i've done white swords i did white swords for about two months strictly it's just a harder market there's you got to know what, what exactly what it is and get out and get into the right set at the same time Yu-Gi-Oh. it's just that the, the basis is not there for a streaming side right now at least uh, the current platform that we were on at the time when we i was streaming streaming Yu-Gi-Oh. it was just not not there was there there was it wasn't beneficial whatsoever. What I will say, Pokemon is beneficial right now, and sports is very big. We just have not tapped into that market yet, and it's just something that is on our radar. But at the time, we we don't foresee us moving into sports at this moment. Got it. I'm really interested to hear your your take on like the dynamics in the market, like what's going up, what's going down. But actually, I mean, maybe before that, I'd love to maybe take a moment to ask also just about your your own background with Pokemon and, and cards in general. And, and maybe Mike has a similar story to you. But, you know, we mentioned earlier that it's kind of a dream for some people for this to be like a full time job, right? <laughs> to be like, OK, I'm, I'm streaming and this is something that I've been into for a long time. Was your experience as a kid or I don't even know when, when you got into Pokemon cards, like what was the moment that it kind of, for you, like it sounds like you collected when you were younger, like how did that all come about? Was it maybe your family, your friends, you just watch, watch the show? Like how did you get into that? And what are the tender memories, you know, of, of your childhood as a collector? Not a lot. Can't remember a lot of it, but I do remember the peak peep ones that I remember, obviously watching the Pokemon show growing up. But I, I, the big thing that really first got me into Pokemon, Christmas morning, I was 10 years old. I opened up and I got a Santa. Santa brought me the teal Game Boy with blue version. And oh boy, that was it. So that's what started it all. My brother got the the purple clear Game Boy with red version. So we were always being able to trade. And then my friends would come over. I remember my one of my best friends at the time coming to knock on my door Christmas morning. And I was telling him I got Pokemon. And he was so excited because he got one too. And that's what kind of kicked it all off. And then the cards started coming out. We all had the cars and I remember bringing them to the playground and trading them like the kids probably still do today. And I played Pokemon, then silver version came out and I'm a diehard Johto Gen 2 fan. I think it's better than Gen 1, my opinion. I'll probably get rolled for it, but okay. It's just the the the, the starters in that set are just so great. Totodile, I'm a water type by nature. That's like, that's generally what I go for. Totodile... And yeah, man, it was great. We, we had a good time. So silver version. And then, I mean, fast forwarding, I had the cards. And then after that, I kind of died off from it. And I didn't really get into the, the emerald or the, the, what was it? Emerald Ruby Sapphire. I stopped, I stopped collecting and, and playing the games around that time. Cause I just got to be a teenager and it was, it was for little kids back then. Little did we know nowadays what it would be. And if you would have told me that I would be running a Pokemon shop, even I mean, three years ago, I probably would have told you you're crazy. But now Mike and I have have a have a awesome company that employs, like I said, 12 people, including ourselves. We have two managers. My wife is on board. She's kind of handles the the payroll tax type stuff and then helps me around the shop with anything that I need. And then Ann and Mike are up there taking care of like the, the back end stuff, high level things and sourcing with me. Mike and I are on the phone every day. It, it does take a lot of communication if you have a partner in this about buying, selling, what's what to what to move, what to get that'll move quick. It's this whole entire way that's created is it's about what you buy things at. 
you have to have good buys to have good sells because you can't have a bad buy. If you have a bad buy, which you're going to at some point in your, in your career, if you choose to do this as a career, you're going to lose on things. For example, a personal buy that I bought, I bought a Beckett nine legendary collection, reverse foil Charizard cost me $4,600. I bought that in November of 2021. In March of 2022, I sold that car for 3000. So and even it being a char, I was like, I back then I was like, no way this is going down. It's a Charizard. It's legendary collection. It's like the banger. Like there's no way it's going down. And I was like, if it does, it's only going to go on by a little bit. Nope. It went down by like 30, 40%. So it is what it is. You're always going to have pros and cons. So the best way for anyone buy things that will last you a month. That's all. That's what, that's what I'll recommend. Yeah. Well, maybe this is a good time to ask you about your take on the current state of the market, right? Because I mean, prices go up and down and the desire, the supply, the demand, people's interest in Pokemon, for example, might go up or down. COVID was probably a time period where there was a lot of interest because people were inside getting back into collecting stimulus checks, whatever. And the macroeconomic climate always plays a role. I mean, as you look at the market right now, do you, what's your take on how, I mean, what are you seeing actually, right? Because it's like, you know, you, you are, your company is, is selling on a daily basis. Like, do you see ups and downs? Or are you like pretty optimistic? Do you think it's going to be like a tougher year? Like, where do you see um, the current state of the market from your day to day? I think, so for, for I'll go, let's all answer it in two parts. Number one, I'm a sealed collector of, of like personal things. Anything Pokemon sealed will appreciate in value, 100%. If you can hold yourself to not open it, uh, definitely sealed is the way to go. For example, I bought a EE Heroes gym collection box. I bought it for $400. Two months ago, I sold it for a thousand bucks. So, I mean, you just got to know what to buy and what to hold. But that, that was a personal thing. And then I moved that. I forget what I bought after that. So I would recommend sealed collecting is, is just my thing. I have, I, I'm a collector of EV cards, water types. So where to kind of cover my, my water Pokemon. And like Evolutions, I have a full binder full of nothing but Evolution cards. And that's just, that's just my thing. For current market, I would say, I think it's, I think it's still going very strong. I still think we did have a, in between COVID and middle of last year, we had a lot of people, those people that came into the hobby, saw the hype, was watching Logan Paul, bringing on him. They got into it. And now a lot, there's a good amount of them that are pretty phased out of it right now. I still think there's like, there's still people that got into the hobby back then that are still in the hobby. I still think it's going to be a great year. I'm very optimistic of the next coming year as well with all the new set releases with Pokemon. My, my only concern is that I would say that Scarlet and Violet was very, very good hit rates. If it continues to be that good, which is great, it's super fun to open the best set um, and have all the cards after you open two or three booster boxes. The downside to that is that you get all the hits out of two or three booster boxes. So when you're getting hundreds of booster boxes for allocation or you're doing or your card values are going to basically start and they go all the way down very, very fast. For example, the Miriam alternate art and Scarlet base set started. It was around $200 and now it's sitting at 65. So I think Scarlet Violet base was great. I think there's a lot of people who still haven't gotten into it really because it's just new. There's not really any other Pokemon. There's like no known big banger Pokemon in it than the, the, the new ones. So as we go on and have the new sets develop, 
I think that other, the older, more popular Pokemon will come within those, the new Scarlet Violet series, especially when they start doing terrestrialized, if that's how I say it, ter- terrorized, terrorized, terrestrialized. I forget exactly how it is, but there is a, they announced a Japanese, it's another Japanese set. I think it's called Ruler of the Dark Flame. And it's has a dark type terrestrialized Charizard. And that set will be insane. I will guarantee you. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot of hope, I think, for the Pokemon market. A lot of people still into the hobby. We're, we're still, I, I'm not seeing a, a massive decline in any type of sales or anything. I, I think that there's definitely some cool product out there. They got a lot of new stuff to release. My hope is that we find that middle ground in between how, in, in kind of like how I would say the last few sets of, of Sword Shield were. Because you go to the pre, the, the very beginning of Sword Shield, you would open a booster box and you'd be lucky to get like six to eight hits. And that's a little hard when you're spending a hundred and something bucks a box. Fast forward to like Astral Radiance. And that was like, man, I think the best box of Astro with talking about the, the little trainer gallery cards and then your full arts and your, your V's, V-Max, V-Star, alt arts, you would get about 15. Like I, I bet my best box was like, probably 15 or 16, your average is probably 12 to 16. So moving from like six to eight all the way up to that number, and then now even into Scarlet Violet, I I, fi- I hope they find that middle ground. So I would love to see hits about 10 to 10 to 14, only for the sheer fact of that it keeps those card values up and it makes that desirability just a little a little better than, than every card being $5. Because if every card is going to be $5, we might be in for a little bit of a hard time for, for something. Now, either way, everyone's going to be able to have everything, which is great. But the but I, I'm, from a collector standpoint, I want there to be hard cards to pull. I want there to be high-value cards. Like Giratina Altart, I will tell you, that is probably one of the hardest cards there is to pull. We, we, have, we move through a lot of product, especially like Thursdays. I've got a morning, I've got a early afternoon, I've got a late afternoon, I've got an evening and a nighttime streamer, including myself, and I mean, we ripped through a lot of stuff. I think with Crown Zenith came out, we moved through about 3,000 packs in a weekend. Like, it, and, and the hit rate on that was great, so I, I think that was one of the best sets I came out with recently. It's obviously a premium set, but with Taking that those numbers and putting it, applying it to Lost Origin, man, I'll tell you that is a hard set, and I think that like that altar will go up. I think the Lugia altar will go up, even though the Lugia was a little easier to pull, in my opinion. And then moving back, that Moonbreon, man, that's a that's a bit that's a big card. So I mean, yeah, I'm interested to also get your take and kind of running a bit out of time here. But when you look at like the TCG world, and you kind of touched on this earlier, but let's take all the other TCG franchises, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Flesh and Blood, and it's, it's more and more like One Piece, DBZ, Azu, Lorcana. It's like, as you think about the interest in these different sort of TCG franchises, like, what do you see as where there's going to be a lot of growth? Like, is Pokemon, do you see interest maintaining itself? Do you think some other franchises are kind of up and coming and will just get bigger and bigger? I mean, well, I guess I'd love to just get your take on like those dynamics between different TCG franchises. I think Pokemon's always going to be consistent, number one, hands down. For two, at least for us, our next biggest is going to be Magic. There's a massive player base. You have to have a tournament, so you have to have a store to do it, though. 
you know, ripping magic online, not sure how well it does, but we've, we've been, we've been experiencing a little success. Smaller TCGs, just because I, I know a little bit about Yu-Gi-Oh and we have the, the tournaments at the store, Yu-Gi-Oh definitely needs to add variety. I think they did really good with the starlights and adding those like one case hit things. That's pretty sweet. However, from what I, I've been told, I don't know a lot, but what I've been told is really only like one meta deck. Like if you run that deck, that's just like, that's it. So they need to have more meta decks. You can't just have rely everything on one deck with magic. I mean, you can run, there's so many different options that you have and they're all like, that could just destroy you. It's, it's just, there's so many different options. And then when you, when you confine yourself to one or two decks in the meta at, at with a TCG, you're kind of just setting yourselves up for failure, in my opinion. I think Yu-Gi-Oh! doing a 25th anniversary, which is coming out here pretty soon. They've already started release some of the products. We actually got our legendary collection 25th anniversary Yu-Gi-Oh! boxes in last week, and they're really cool. If you guys, if anyone's looking to get into it, because I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! back in the day. It's something I guess I kind of skipped over, but uh, yeah, I mean, I used to go to tournaments when I was a kid, and I was like 13, 14, and I was like, that's what, that what was big was after Pokemon was Yu-Gi-Oh! And I did that for... I mean, I went, to, I went to tournaments at the local mall and it was, it was wild, but yeah, I think Yu-Gi-Oh definitely could be there. I think they're, they definitely have a really large basis, kind of not as big as magic, obviously, but then moving on into the smaller things, I I'm really hopeful for Larkana. I think that there's going to be a lot of people that really just want it to have it. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to keep it sealed. I think there's a lot of people that want to play it. Upcoming TCGs, One Piece that i have so much demand for the one piece ccg right now and i don't even i can't get the product it's so hard to get the booster boxes that were 100 150 dollars at, at release back when op1 came out for english now they're i last time i checked about a month ago they were like 250 to 300 bucks a box so like they're just they're hard to find there's so much demand for it right now we we did get into metazoo a little bit, but I think so, there was some stuff that came out with them. I don't want to accuse anyone or accuse MetaZoo of doing anything, but I, I, I think there were some problems with their, with some, with some of the packs in their last set seance. People that are listening, they want to go try to figure out what it is. I'll let them figure that out. But they, I, I, I liked MetaZoo. We all liked MetaZoo. I had MetaZoo. We stocked it since, you know, that we've just seen the MetaZoo market completely crash back when Nightfall, I think, was their best set. In my opinion, for MetaZoo, what I think they need to do is they need to start doing more so full art type things. And I really like their really weird, cool stuff they do, their ones of ones or their secret cards and stuff. I think they're on the right track for there. I believe there's enough people that like the game to play it, but something happened in that last set that really, I think, just hurt the brand. From there, I mean, what else? We got Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball is Mike's big thing that is mike is my is our dragon ball streamer he is exclusive dragon ball the dude knows everything about all of it done more than he's pulled every card out of the everything like i'm telling you guys pulled the the big goku out of tournament of power which is like the base set box from 12 from 2018 as dragon ball super still a newer tcg he actually we just got our round of collector booster boxes in for the last set for power absorbed and mike actually pulled he was like man can i get one of these booster boxes from us i was like yeah dude like just just you know pick one because we need we really need to sell the rest like pick one because they're going to be an odd item and he managed to pick the one with the the legendary ghost rare in it first time 
first time that Dragon Ball Super is came out with a ghost rare and he, he pulled it. We actually, when he came down just as a visit to the store, we, he brought it with him. We brought it down to Beckett and it got a 10. So that was, it was very cool. So very cool experience, but yeah, Dragon Ball, I think Dragon Ball is, is pretty popular too. It seems to have dropped a little bit in popularity, but I think Dragon Ball was still hanging in there for a while as well. Mike is definitely more than knowledgeable of the Dragon Ball of us. He knows exactly what the market's at and what the sets are. He runs the, the stream for it as well. So, you know, we flush and blood. We do have a tournament store and we are flush and blood at, at the store. So I, I don't know that one. I don't see, I, I think it'll be around, but I don't think it's going to get ever hype like it was when it first came out, unless they do something drastically different. I just don't know enough about it to speak on why. But I just have never seen it kick off a lot. I would love to see, if we move back into Pokemon for a second, I would love to see them start doing like a serialized card or like a chase of some sort. That just brings that, like there's already a demand and there's already a collector demand. But like, for example, if they did a celebrations, if they did celebrations, and what if they had like a hundred Neo Lugia first edition stamp, but also with a 25th anniversary stamp, that would be insane. So yeah, that's, if they were to do something like that or a, a serialized Charizard or a serialized Blastoise or something along the lines of that, I mean, the hobby would go insane again. So that's my take on how, and how I guess TCGs are and, you know, what I think they could do a little different to, to make it a little better. Wow. That's a great take. Ethan, a bit running out of time here, but I'd love to close by asking you the questions I, I close with. The first being, where can people find you, TCG Nation, across social media? And what's like one last message you'd like to leave with the audience? So you can find us on Facebook at TCG Nation. You know, we just have a normal Facebook page. We also have our Instagram, it's TCG Nation Live. We also run, we have a TikTok as well and a Discord. All that information is on our Facebook. We also primarily stream right now on whatnot. We are on three separate accounts, TCG underscore Nation, TCG underscore Nation Live, and then the same thing, but live breaks. So we run three separate accounts all throughout the day, all seven days a week. We we range mostly Pokemon. We do box breaks all the time. We actually, let, last week, we just finished up with a first edition Fossil and a Neo Revelation box break, which was super fun. We pull all the biggest hits out of there. That's where you can find us. And we also are located in Corinth, Texas. So we're about mm, 25 minutes north of the DFW airport. We have a shop right along 35, which is the highway. So yeah, you guys come check out our store. We're open all days of the week, 10 a.m. to pretty much 10 p.m. And uh, any la last things I want to say is thank you for having me. I appreciate the appreciate it all. My partner, Mike, and I appreciate everything that everyone's doing in the collectible world. And our most fortunate thing for us is, is our returning customers that come back to us and visit us daily, weekly, because without the community, without our customers, we wouldn't be able to make this happen. And we wouldn't be able to have the the team members on our team which is like i said the most rewarding stuff for for me is is being able to provide for being able to provide an awesome place to work for other people and they get paid to do it so we are always looking to accept other people if you are local to the dallas fort worth area definitely are always interested in taking applications so if you're in the area and you you, you want to be a streamer drop by the store give me a call we appreciate you new street for for letting us have us on the podcast Thanks so much, Ethan. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. 
Thank you for listening to the New Street X podcast. You can learn more about the guests in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Please make sure to like, follow, subscribe across YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and more. Thank you so much. See you next time.